0: Away we go. hi everybody welcome to this week's episode of wed talk i am
1: so happy to be joined by my friend and colleague hannah lowry um she's the owner and artist at edges wild studio and that second title is going to be really important to what we're going to be talking about later today um but hannah welcome to the podcast
2: thanks so much for having me it's good to be here
1: uh oh i we have kind of been like Staying in touch through a lot of these quarantine times, uh, just uh, encouraging each other, sharing lots of different things. And the today's subject kind of brought up um, this thing that's super important to you and your, your brand. And I think it's also going to be super helpful to people out there who are in the process and midst of creating, or if you're a vendor, kind of creating for your clients um, for their big wedding day. And, um, and so I think you're a perfect person to have. So thanks for Thank joining. You.
2: Of course, it's a delight.
1: Before we dive in, I just want to ask, in the midst of all of this craziness, how are you doing?
2: Yeah. Okay and not okay, I think is probably everybody's answer right now, and I am okay with that.
1: Good. (laughs) It's okay to not be okay, okay and it's okay okay to be okay sometimes. It's okay okay
2: to vacillate wildly between okay and not okay, sometimes in the same 30 seconds. Yeah. here we are.
1: That's fair. How has, how has the, uh, I know I'm for sure like work has slowed down for you with flowers Mm -hmm. in general. Um, have you been able to, or have you participated in doing a lot what a lot of florists are doing with delivery orders or what's, you
2: know, I haven't and mostly just because that I, um, Pretty early on, I've only been doing floristry professionally for three years, so kind of in business because it's not a very long time. But I Hey, have once you
1: press past that first year, you're, you're good. Sure,
2: you're in it. <laughs> but also, like, you learn so much in that first year is what you want to do and what mm-hmm. you don't what you're capable of doing as pretty much one. Well, I was going to say I'm a one-woman show. That's not true. I do have one employee who's part part time. She's like ten hours a week. Super indispensable to what I do. But for the m- most part, it's myself and then occasionally Abby plus freelancers. But um, that you know that in and of itself is a bit of a limitation. There's only so many sure. types of offerings we can realistically do with that kind of a team without. Uh, running ourselves into the ground, and then there's also the sense in which Edge is Wild is a business, and so that kind of business mantra of if it doesn't bring you either joy or revenue, you probably shouldn't be spending time on it as a business person. So for uh, for my particular business model, yes, exactly. That's sorry, I'm,
1: I'm silently over here not wanting again. not wanting okay. to not wanting to interrupt Hannah. I'm over here like raising my hand and like mouthing the word preach because yeah, church. It, is so true it is so true it's because
0: very
1: i think that's something that i've been struggling with being a like solo business or like not a big business that uh, i've been wanting to put like party packages together for like mm-hmm. to go or delivery but it's hard when you're by yourself Because you like don't have the scale of business to be able to resource like picking up those things and 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 then taking the time to deliver. Does it bring you joy, which I'm sure it would bring me some joy to like help people throw together like a little party in their home. But like, am I going to run myself ragged and not actually make any money by the end of it based on the time of gas and travel, which even though gas is cheap, just my time spent investing like all of it is it worth it? And
2: yeah, exactly. It's or, an over under calculation. Correct. Really? It's usually kind of a muddy situation, but yeah. Yeah. I guess so, so all that to say, even though um, I think it's so wonderful and beautiful that so many of my peers and colleagues are doing are pivoting into daily deliveries. Absolutely. Um, there's kind of this whole, whatever industry you're a part of is this sort of chain of responsibility of this sense. I think in the wedding industry in particular, I've, I've been, even before the advent of COVID nineteen, so aware and amazed, often at how interdependent we are on each other. Like every so for for flowers in particular, since I'm a florist, um, there's the whole, so my supply chain kind of starts with. Wholesalers, so these are the people that are actually selling flowers in these warehouses in your city, or shipping them to you from you know ports around the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, they're sourcing them from farms all over the U.S., all over the world. So there's those folks. There's the delivery folks. There's so many like logistical pieces along. Yeah. There's so all that to say. All of these um, flower deliveries in the that are available right now that are contactless, and you know ways to get flowers out into the world while we're not able to have events are so critical to keeping that whole, the keeping that whole machine moving. Yeah. I'm so grateful to my colleagues who are doing that. I, I personally am not doing it mostly just because the way that I design, I have found over time that individual, because I'm not a shop and I, I have to buy in bulk, it always costs me more than I make to do Deliveries so right now for all of us when cash flow is kind of a question mark or it's a little bit tight It seems like the responsible thing for me to do given that I have really low overhead. I work from home um, My studio is pretty streamlined Um, It's it's just a better I don't I don't necessarily have the responsibility to make that kind of revenue the way that maybe some of my florist friends are so just What I'm doing with this time is I'm still Booking events for the fall, uh, late fall, we'll see what happens there. You know, yeah. I've got clients I'm working with that we've rescheduled into the fall as well. And then I'm using the um, what ended up being a quiet spring to do what I would usually do during the quiet summer, which is to do back end administrative work, education, uh, and yeah, keep the, the well oiled machine actually running.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I guess in asking that and kind of me sharing and adding to what you said, wanting to just let people know out there, like if you're a business, like you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Like everybody like take, take a breath. Don't feel like you have to do 45,000 things. You don't need to write the next great American novel. If you've been meaning to, Mm -hmm. if you're like, your you know business that's just on pause right now. Everybody is, and right. if the it doesn't make this
2: is different for everyone. Right,
1: and if it doesn't make sense for you to start doing deliveries because you've never done them before, and you don't have you know the infrastructure in place, and you don't really understand. That then like don't do it. Yeah. Cause that's gonna stress you out even more right True. now.
2: Like, and on the flip side, of course, if that's what brings you life, if you're gonna go crazy, if you're gonna like be overwhelmed by anxiety, if you're not touching flowers and not getting them out into the community, then please continue because
1: Absolutely. <laughs> if that is your thing and you are yeah. doing it and you're crushing it, or right. it does bring you joy and it's not stressing you, then by all means go for it. But just wanna yeah. kind of be that voice out there if somebody needed it to be like, it's okay to not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. And I know we've talked personally about this before too, but I will say I am like many people out there. I think I am an individual with an, uh, an autoimmune disease, a chronic disease that I'm mm-hmm. technically on the list of high risk. So a lot of my you know decision making with business early on was kind of like to be quite honest, for most of us, uh, probably many of us have had this experience of like you react immediately out of fear and (laughs) self-preservation and you got to start there sometimes and then backtrack and say like, okay, what's the safest way for me to move through the world right now where I'm not endangering myself or other people. And we all come to, you know, there are different circumstances for each of us and different different ways we're going to answer that question. So making sure that we just have um, a lot of Grace and space for ourselves and each other in this moment is so critical. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But thank you for asking. Yeah, of but course. But in conversation around that, I think the more we're all honest about how we're actually how we're yes. actually functioning right now, the more we're all gonna be able to identify something out there where you're like, oh good, I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. So mm-hmm. in our conversations that we had that sparked today's topic, um, which is drumroll. <laughs> artistry artistry,
0: um,
1: and why I introduced you the way that you that I did is is because I I love the approach you take to it with you know with clients that I've you know I've worked with you kind of seen some of your process and it's been it's been really really cool and really interesting to kind of hear kind of would love to speak to you about it and uh how how you work it work through it to that way it would help anybody who's planning their event. Like I mentioned, if you're a sure. creative and trying to figure out how you are an artist in your own way. So um, I think what would be helpful for everybody out there is to maybe define the word artistry.
2: Yes. So
1: Hannah, do you have a definition?
2: 100%. I do actually have a definition. And as we were talking about this, I did go... my. Um, Educational background is in literature, so the word nerd in me was like, "How about I do actually consult a dictionary and make sure what I think in my head this word is about is what the, the like
1: oh, I mean, okay, our language
2: this are saying."
1: Quick step side to a soapbox: like defining terms in yes. your industry, no matter what you are. I mean, it's so important in weddings, but just it's like making important. sure you know what you're talking about. And I, I don't say that to be like, "Oh, you're talking out of your butt," but like make sure every, when you're speaking with somebody you're on the same page when you use the same word right. that it means the You've same thing
2: exactly that we're just as fluid people have different images in their heads or ideas of what so for example like i think the big one is like if a if a client says they say i want my color to be mauve well in their mind like that could be way on the purple spectrum and in your mind it could be way on the pink spectrum so even just like tiny things like that <laughs> this is my definition yes. of terms they do a lot of headache and heartache later but also just like allows you to really hone in and like tap into that excitement of being on the same page with someone. So yes. Yes. In light of that, the um, I did check the Oxford English dictionary for its definition of artistry broadly kind of what that um, word means is skill in doing anything as the result of knowledge and practice, which is, I think like probably how most of us use it. Like if we see, if we're talking about someone's artistry, there is some, we're implying that they're doing something really excellently, um, and clearly, from a place of a lot of practice and uh, knowledge, so it's this idea of like marshaling human workmanship or skill as an agent of transformation. That's kind of the the definition
0: Ooh. I like
2: come up with a little yeah. bit. We're usually when we're talking about wedding design or event design, that's essentially what we're doing. We're transforming a space that's a blank slate into something. Particular and personal and beautiful. So the the other thing that I came across those as I was kind of looking through um, definitions is that or the sense I came to is artistry happens where skill meets taste. Like that's really the marriage we're talking about there mm. is bringing your taste, say as a client, uh, or your client's taste. If you're uh, a event professional and then your particular set of skills and abilities to bring those kinds of taste to life in a new way that nobody's seen before. That's particular to that person.
1: I love
0: that. I love
2: that too. I think that's what makes me so excited about this work. Like that's, the, that is the challenge and like the problem that we're here to solve that really mm-hmm. lights a fire into me. It's just, it's so much fun. The application of skill to a particular set of tastes and then synthesizing something new out of that.
1: Yeah. Mind explosion.
2: Mind explosion. Like,
1: I I love that. Sorry. I'm I'm still like soaking that in where skill yeah. meets taste because, you know, I think there's a sometimes a disconnect with people when there's like, when people think art, they immediately think museum, they immediately think paintings, they immediately think
2: Leonardo da Vinci,
1: right, like, oh, I could never do that,
2: superhuman kind of Uh untouchable, true,
1: there are some times when I mean, I've just based on my community and my personal interest where, (laughs) you know, I've, people claim, and I agree, uh, praise for like drag as an art form and like performance art as an art form. And that's something that because we have, you know, great things like social media, it allows people to have this amazing platform to share their talent, their skill of their, you know, makeup, hair, costuming, like in a way that never was before. But sometimes people, I think, err more on the side of like, this is just entertaining, but not necessarily seeing it as an art form. And,
2: mm. and I art think... Art is just making stuff.
1: Right. So. Right. But I think people just, like, there's a, a sort of a disconnect between understanding, like, what I'm seeing is art. Like, when you watch a TV show or you listen to a song, like, it is, like you said, skill meets taste. Like, the the skill of that person, whether it's with an instrument, whether it's with their yes. emotions with a dance, they're, you know, just there's so much that people can take from their skills and transpose that into like what brings them joy or what they're trying to create for an audience and exactly. bring them joy.
2: That's a good thing to say to remind folks that we don't have to be intimidated by the idea of an artistic event or or the sense it's inaccessible to you to bring some artistry into your lifestyle and your in particular your wedding, if that's you know kind of the, the crowd we're speaking to here. That it's especially because beauty, which is kind of a whole nother philosophical topic, I guess. I uh, am beholder. I know in my <laughs> like, But there is somewhat, right? There's a sense in which that's true. There's a taste. Is, oh, Maybe that's maybe kind of where we can put a fine point on it. Taste is so subjective that. The way um, that the things that you would perceive as artistic and artful and that bring you joy are just, it varies so much person to person. So don't get uh, intimidated or lost in the weeds by someone else's experience of an understanding of what is artful in their life. Because for you, it actually might be different, but that doesn't mean um, that you still, that you don't have the ability to, once again, find that nexus of skill and taste. Um, right.
1: like I would say so, like, sorry, I'm using the most, uh, rel- I say relevant, most um, uh, easy to grasp. I, th- I think example in like paintings is like people who don't understand like, why is Jackson Pollock such a big deal? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because some people are like, yeah, oh, I true. could do that. <laughs> but do well, they?
2: It's a conversation that will keep, you know, philosophers and critics busy for a yeah. while. Well. So we don't have to get all down the weeds of that. But on that note, actually, so I did write one of my favorite quotes about art um, and artistry Mm -hmm. that's followed me through – all of my life I've been, you know, like I've said, I've only been a florist for three years, but I've even like from my childhood, one of the first identities that my community and people around me gave to me was as an artist. Like I got labeled early on as an artist. Like I had this sort of just streak in me that tended towards creation and making things and making things beautiful, painting, drawing, um, mm-hmm. you know, design. I've just always done that. So um, I've, kind of had, I've been in that headspace for a long time too. Mm -hmm. And then uh, people who talk about, who talk about art, my ears tend to perk up a little bit. So um, there's a Russian, this is a little bit academic, but it's a short quote. So uh, we'll get through it. A Russian literary theorist named Viktor Shlovsky And he has this phrase in an essay called art as technique, which is dense. And I won't get into it because I I probably don't fully understand really what it's all about, Mm -hmm. but He says, art exists that one may recover the sensation of life. It exists to make one feel things, to make the stone stony. And I love that. This idea of like, so then, okay, so the idea is to take something ordinary and familiar to you and then what the job of art tends to be is to make it just unfamiliar enough that you're kind of startled and impressed by it all over again mm. which is such a so defamiliarization is just like technical art theory word for that which you know even just like on its face that concept to me is so interesting and i feel like that's um a pretty big part of my approach to the way that i do art um, and i have a background in writing and nonfiction writing too, but over time I've like, I, you know, have enjoyed um, creative writing as a, as a discipline and as a hobby and poetry does this so well. Like it, you know, it tends to be apply really well to writing Mm -hmm. this idea of like you, you, you find a word that describes something you're talking about it in a new way. So that you think about something differently. So actually, okay, I, I pulled an example from from uh, something that I read recently that was so beautiful to me. So, you know, I feel like a lot of us that have maybe sort of mystical leanings talk about this idea of like this kind of cool thing that we're all stardust, right? Like we're all the universe is all made of the same yes. stuff. And it kind of gives you this image of like this unity that we have with nature and the world and all of that. Well. Uh-huh. You could say that, or you could say it in the words of a poet named Julia Cameron, who says, the crescent moon, it's just a bone thrown beyond our reach. The stars at night were someone's baby teeth. Like how fun and whimsical of an idea is that? The stars at night were someone's baby teeth. I know that's a little bit quirky, but I feel like it kind of captures this sense of like, you, you find an unfamiliar way to talk about stars Mm -hmm. and then it, creates this visual image in your head for what like the magic of stars are so i know that's very technical and maybe a little bit theoretical but that kind of approach drives the way that i approach whatever medium i'm working with and Mm -hmm. most recently with this work that I've um, that I'm doing now it's through flowers. So, yeah, what I like really the goal that I have as a florist applying this artistry is like I'm I'm always looking for, to both like smooth the transitions between the environment, so say a venue,
0: yeah,
2: and this like dressing it up for the occasion, which is like the decor and the mm-hmm. flowers and the the way that we're bringing something into that environment to personalize it for say a couple's wedding. Yeah. Um, smoothing that transition between those two things so that it looks like one cohesive whole and also doing something like a little bit unexpected to kind of like perk people's eyes up and ears up and noses and engage your senses and Mm -hmm. surprise and delight you in a little way that you might not be expecting. So it's like that's those moments of magic that really
0: support
2: people and like really deepen your sense of the moment and of immediacy.
1: So so it sounds like, uh, I guess, a way to put it is like you take something very familiar and ordinary, and mm-hmm. you turn it into something else and make it extraordinary. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: so how? I mean, like, because you were saying, like, you're, uh, forgive the pun, marrying the idea of this <laughs> empty room and I
2: right into that one.
1: The process of, you know, creating it yeah. for this event. And mm-hmm. doing it with this medium, flowers that were, you know, everybody's familiar with a room, they're familiar with flowers, and they're familiar with creating a celebration around it. So, right. how do you take and make those ordinary
2: things? extraordinary into something extraordinary short sure. okay so for uh, one of my favorite examples you guys is actually a wedding that eric and i worked on together um so eric is i'll just say that right now too like one of the most creative planners i have ever met and that he's able to take people's Aww. passions and the things that are important to them and actually like find a way to to like get them excited about infuse their own wedding celebration with their personality and with the things that they love. So this wedding was case in point. We did. I did not
1: pay wedding... her to say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a freebie and it's all true. <laughs> but, um, we did a wedding together uh, two years ago, I think at the Houston Museum of Natural Science, which for a naturalist nerd like myself is just a dream come true. That's all I ever want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still like the pinnacle of my wedding experience. And this couple was such a fun, um duo too where they had um his last name was poe and they wanted to bring in some elements of this sort of dark mysterious edgar Allan poe you know, like the little, a little bit of the kind of um, macabre mm-hmm. into their celebration, which, since they were getting married in the paleontology hall of the Museum of Natural Science, so it's the exhibit of all of the dinosaur bones and fossils, was just so fitting. It's kind of this like fascination with the natural world and you know this sort of like life cycles and life and death and the way that they kind of are yeah. cyclical. That's such a big life, you know. Anyway, lots of symbolism there, but just in terms of the aesthetic that we were trying to develop, the words that Eric came to me with were pre-modern, prehistoric, which I love, kind of like kind of an oxymoron. But I also kind of immediately knew what he was talking about, right? I think we've all been into museum buildings with exhibits of ancient artifacts, but the museum, like say, the architecture of the building itself is updated. It's modern. It's sleek. It moves you through the space um harmoniously and kind of connects these two things this like newness and of modernity and like this sense of where we've come in our ability to like create beautiful buildings and spaces mm-hmm. and this um connection with the past and with old things that tend to be almost like fascinating to people so when it came to the flowers what we're trying to do is incorporate a lot of greenery that was quote unquote prehistoric looking so ferns and bromeliads and like literally plants that that still have this connection to their kind of ancient forms that we look at and we're like oh i would you know that's the kind of thing that would show up in like a national geographic illustration of dinosaur days (laughs) so we're pulling (laughs) these once again like very familiar elements like ferns everybody's seen a fern you know you have them on your porch outside it's Mm -hmm. the gulf coast here in texas there's a lot of them growing everywhere um ferns and tropical plants but we pulled those together, but what I did was I was thinking, how can we kind of, because we're already in a museum, create this sense of, of almost like encapsulating the way that you would put like a dinosaur skeleton in a museum case. It was like, what if we put flowers inside of glass and like clear acrylic containers, so it looks like this whole ecosystem's inside of a museum exhibit. So it's like alive and new, and yet repackaging it in a way that looks like it's old and prehistoric. Yeah. So. That's how we did like arrangements that went on cocktail tables. It was this glass square container and the whole arrangement was basically built like a little ecosystem of plants down inside it And I the bride asked, can we is there any way you could find carnivorous plants because those fascinate me and yes. I said, on it went to Buchanan's native plants here in Houston it got some Venus fly traps, some other carnivorous plants and we literally planted those inside of this little tiny ecosystem. So Mm -hmm. you look at it initially and you think like, Oh, it's kind of a tropical esque little arrangement. And then you look closer and there's like actually live ancient plants happening in there. Yeah. Uh, Which was this, yeah, that way to brief kind of bring those two ideas together. I think this like playing off of the angular, like straight lined Mm -hmm. architecture of the space. And then bringing in all of these, like, curves and interest and uniqueness of the shape of plants that kind of mirrored the shapes of the fossils and these pictures of ancient plants that were fossilized in there, too.
1: Yeah, and it was almost like uh, inception of, like, it was, (laughs) like, modern museum with Mm -hmm. dinosaur bones and stuff. And then within that was this event where on, like, the table decor, it was these sub-modern encasings of these... Prehistoric, like reminiscent ecosystems, yes. and so it's just like this and cool, like, like cool. Pe- peel the onion, like layer back, layer back. That like maybe the guests okay. aren't gonna notice. Maybe they won't they may see not. or feel. Maybe there are a couple drinks in already because there was a like a pre-ceremony cocktail moment that right. they're like, oh, it's pretty, and then just <laughs> leave it at that. And that is fine for people to appreciate art in their own way and experience yes. it their own way. But, exactly, you know, we like created that dynamic of thing inside the thing, inside yes. the thing, inside the thing. Um, I appreciate
2: that you say it that way too. That's a good way to describe it because that kind of allows for enjoyment by multiple groups of people on multiple levels, like you say. You yeah. never know. Like for us as florists, we have this kind of unique role in weddings because we can't, we set everything up and then we leave. And then we come back and break it all down after every all the party's gone. So we yep. never actually interact with the guests. We don't really get to see people's reactions to things. We don't really mm-hmm. have a sense of like. We're just like, well, I hope they all like it. And then we come <laughs> back and like, there may be a family member left over to come up to you and say like, we loved it, or you may not ever know. <laughs> right,
1: you leave fingers fingers crossed. You're like,
2: oh, right. oh we got it. <laughs> I mean, right. So what's kind of cool about that is like, you know, we pour our hearts and souls into creating this look, which is like. We, you know florists and other vendors are all working together to make sure we get this cohesive vision going Mm -hmm. but you know and so that when folks say that you know particular wedding party walked into the paleontology hall every table had what looked like plants you would have expected to see in that time period in this like jurassic sense that kind of adds Mm -hmm. to the overall impact and effect but it was really probably like for the art for art's sake idea for like you and i and people who and so much more time looking closely at the details as we were setting up and as we were planning that we would put in details like some of those arrangements that I just described I also put in we had um, fossil oh well, we had I had found a dealer uh, uh, of uh, botanical and um, like biological specimens and he had raven skulls so I brought in a few like little tiny raven skulls both to allude to the Edgar Allan Poe thing and to kind mm-hmm. of fit in with this exhibit full of, um, of animal buns. And so those were nestled in these little arrangements, which once again was a detail that was like so small and subtle that you could have walked right past it, especially for several drinks in and never seen it. So maybe mm-hmm. guests noticed, maybe they didn't. But For the guests, overall impact was what was important. And then for us or for the couple, oh, that was on the head table. So I'm sure the couple probably saw it. But for yeah. you and I, like there's a level of enjoyment in that, in that, um Artistry, too, where like we get to we get to delight in that um,
0: mm-hmm. in, in the, the, the
2: creation. creation, yeah, yeah. exactly, There's layers of consistency of like creating a mood and creating a space,
1: yeah, and that's i I love fun. that you that you added that detail um because i i' do, I wouldn't have even thought about it, but like you said, I mean it inceptionalizes inceptional.
2: That's I'm great. making up a word.
1: Inceptionalizes.
2: Word. You are Shakespeare. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm inventing words on the spot. In inceptionalize the inception that was already happening with it being this <laughs> yeah. microcosm within the whole big picture, which mm-hmm. was already a microcosm of history and whatever that you like. It just is full. There's just like so many layers, and it's true. and so that's what I think is great about weddings is that you do get this really amazing multi-level collaboration that happens that Mm -hmm. like my mind could have possibly never gone there but i was still satisfied with you know okay like this is what's happening but then also the the trust that comes in like hey these are my terms these are like colors this is the vibe i'm going for help me execute it that i'm not policing you on like Um, we need this exact fern that was for sure seen in Jurassic Park so people get the connection. I was just like passing it off to you and let you play with it and then you came up with using like a raven skull in it and I was like, mind explosion. I feel like that's maybe my like term of the day or week or whatever because you didn't even tell me about it, I think, before. I don't
0: know if I I think you just
1: showed up with it and you're like, so (laughs) look at this. And I was like, (laughs) ah, that's amazing.
2: Right. Which is so true. I feel like that—that that is definitely the case where as vendors, we often do our very best work and create the most magical spaces when our clients come to us with like a concrete enough idea that we can work off of it. But then with enough um, abandon about the details that we can really go to town and like make all these mental connections and pull all of these things together mm-hmm. and collaborate with each other to make sure that we see this um, like depth of consistency with every single little decision that we make yeah. about conclusions and about um, how we're designing an event, which actually brings me to, um, this is another kind of technical thing, but like the way in which we take the idea and then actually translate it into a design, like the way we can apply that once again, Yeah. That, that, the idea of skill of taste is through elements and principles of design, which, whether we're consciously using them or not, anybody who's on the design end of uh, wedding work is kind of drawing on these philosophies that are kind of native to this field of making stuff.
0: <laughs> which, mm-hmm. and
2: so, like, the principles of design are things like balance contrast unity diversity variety movement harmony proportion they're kind of rhythm you know there's these like things qualities about things that are designed that you might recognize uh either in a piece of sculpture or a painting or you see them in nature and so that's how we recreate you know say with a floral design like if we want it to look like the prehistoric forest well how do i do that well i pay attention to like what kinds of repetition patterns am i seeing in these mm-hmm. like You know, if I look at um, ancient or if I look at a rainforest, like how do things grow? How do I recreate that those patterns or just like this is a proportion within the design that I have in my little limited space of a, uh, you know, container. So that's like the how and then we do that through this other sort of subset of qualities called elements of design, which include like line and shape and negative space and form and texture and color. And so that's where we get down to all these kind of specifics, which is usually the conversations we have with clients about colors and textures. Like those are buzzwords that we throw around a lot, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of this, uh, you know, a richness there of um like people like eric and i are constantly looking back at say a a color palette which has like kind of a a rough idea of like which color values we want to use and then we're looking at the details of like what color is the carpet in the museum what color are the walls what color are the Mm -hmm. fossils what are these plants we're planning to use what color are the bridesmaids wearing so it goes you know we're taking these sets of these lenses, I guess, through which we look at things and then we're applying them across the board to so many different details. Like maybe a lot more, I think sometimes some clients even realize we're doing on the back end, which is what we love about our job. Like it gives us an opportunity to just do this really comprehensive look at every single like sensory detail that any guest is going to engage with and see if we can draw a line of consistency through them and tell a story. And uh, yeah, that's where uh, so much of that magic happens.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a I think a just a cool thing that happens where like like you were saying you may not realize that you are like taking into consideration these elements of design when you are being an artist, you may quote, accidentally do it. Or even if you intentionally do it, because you're taking something that like we like I noted, or we kind of discussed already with it being ordinary, something that is already familiar to you, that when you see it repurposed in a new way, or it's replicated in a different medium than you're used to seeing it, you may not you still, it could be lost on you and not to say like, oh, you can't appreciate art, but because it is something that comes naturally to you, the way that your eye catches something, the way that the light hits it, the way, that, mm-hmm. what, whatever the circumstances are, you just may not see it. And, and I think about that sometimes like in fashion. Like sometimes Mm, there are inspirations from, you know, oh, this, you know, piece of clothing was inspired by like a flower and there's like a print and maybe the print's like so zoomed in that you can't even tell that it's like one singular flower. You just see all this cool, crazy, funky design and you're like, that's, that's cool. But you don't know, like this was a complete zoom in to like that thing. I mean, I know it's just one example, but that's to, to say like if you're not sitting there like like I want to say in a museum staring at it, reading the description that says, this was the intention behind this thing and this is why this is this thing. And there was a process and the artist wanted to show this and without stopping and thinking about every single thing, you may miss some of those details that were thoughtfully put into something that you are consuming, whether it's, you know, visually or sonically or sure. intestinally if that's the <laughs> correct word like eating right. <laughs> like food art and yet, um, all of
2: yeah these eaters, whether you're paying direct attention to them or whether they're quote unquote lost on you they all add up in the aggregate to this experience that you're having of the piece of art or of the event and that may be why you're not able to put your finger on like what was so moving or what was so beautiful about Mm -hmm. a space that you walked into it's because like somebody took the time to really drill down and make sure like every single little layer and every single little element contributes to this larger whole. And then there's all of these like little surprises that people who are, (laughs) so for example, you, if you have a guest who's like, has a lot of social anxiety, you want to prefer to just kind of like put their head down and look very closely at the arrangement on the table. Maybe for that person, like that's why we put that tiny little detail and demo something unexpected. Yeah. And I, I do tend to be a details person. I think a lot of the way I know, I think a lot, I think that's such a cliche because almost every person who's, in some kind of artistic, creative profession, that's a vendor, especially for weddings, is going to say that they're, you know, they're a details. We focus on details, and we get every detail right. But there really is like a passion for that, I think, in our yeah. industry, and this is why it's so important because all those details add up to this like overall feeling. There, I tend to like the way that that tends to show up in my work is little things. Like I did one time um, a corporate uh, business brunch and did arrangements for, you know tables, but there was a little bit of a vintage Audubon um, bird drawing. Like the mm. that's what we're going for this is it's sort of like old school, James Audubon, um, vintage bird sketches. So we I used those as table numbers. And then I made arrangements that were sort of reminiscent of the, like, the, the sketches in these old color plates of like vintage birds. And so I had created this sort of these woodland-esque arrangements and then the little tiny details that I love that, that really tell that story of this sort of naturalist vibe where like mm-hmm. in a few of them in the middle of them I created this little pocket. And there's like a tiny little nest that had actual quail eggs in there, and so uh, people there, like looking. You know, like those are the kinds of things you see. But it's because, like once again, it it made sense in context, um, and maybe to some degree, like taking artistic liberties comes in there too. You sure. mentioned fashion a second ago. I had a good friend in college who went on to be a costume designer for theater, and she. I had this uh, i still remember we had this conversation one time where she had this epiphany in her career where she's talked about the difference between accuracy and truth when you're trying to communicate an idea especially visually with uh. costume where you might take some liberties of like i made this arrangement with woodland arrangement i made this little nest and i put like i said coil eggs because they're beautiful and they're like cream with brown speckles on them but um I have no idea if the little nest I put them in is the kind of nest that a quail builds. Who knows? It may not be technically accurate, Er, but the idea that it communicates the truth of like an entire ecosystem, a woodland environment where there's flora and fauna happening, like those are um, these little, uh, yeah, we might, like I said, take small liberties in order to still communicate the overall effect.
1: Yeah, Um, I know some people get on to movies a lot specifically for like Mm -hmm. oh while it like conveyed the meaning like that wasn't period and like that was that was was not that was not what somebody would be wearing during that time and it's Uh like okay sure but did that really to me I'm like did that take away from the conveyance of what was happening the story that was being told and if it really took you out of it then I am so sorry for you but (laughs) I think like if if I must say, to a level of if you're not educated and you don't know the difference, and you're like, oh, it looks like old timey clothes, like, right. sure. like
0: then it's you. it's not. The vibe. It's not
1: right. It's giving you the vibe, and that's where kind of like you putting in that detail of like the eggs in a nest in this thing. Like they could have very easily just like printed pictures. Of you know these sceneries and like not even involved you in the process, but what you what you did there and like what happens with the weddings is it creates this vibe uh, like and I I like I like the word vibe because
2: what mm-hmm. it gives you freedom it gives
1: you freedom and it gives like couples. The like, what they want to do is, and what I actually just had a consultation with a couple that when I asked them what are some of their must haves or what's important to them, they said that they want their guests to be brought into their world. And Mm. that is, uh, I think, a really concise way to, for something that I, the way that I usually go about consultations and ask people about like, what are your must haves? What do you want? What's important to you? Like in in terms of like the design process for me. And they said that what really stuck out to them is that the couple really, really, really liked seventies and eighties music. And Ah, that was the playlist all night. They didn't, Dive into any you know '90s, thousands you know music hits. Like you've stepped into their world. So like yes, the way
2: into their living room, what they'd have playing on a exactly. Friday night.
1: Exactly, and that's and that, that and that's something that I also say to kind of describe that process is if somebody's been to your house for whether it be a party or you know hung out with you, came over for dinner. Like when they come to your wedding, they'd be like, "Oh, this is so them. Yes. I get it. I see it." <laughs> I am here that's I'm true. because essentially this is a celebration of you as a couple and that's what I like to do is I like to take elements of their home I ask them to send me pictures of their home and mm-hmm. see like what kind of decor do they choose naturally let's not go with necessarily something that's like trendy like right. just because it's trendy or just because it's popular or let's use the Pantone color of the year just because it's the color of the year no like what colors have you chosen to like surround yourself with daily yes. and what do you want to like and how like you're literally inviting people into your world you're Inviting people to your wedding. It's your celebration of you as a couple. And so I just, I just love that the term vibe gives you that opportunity to create this world and create the setting that when you come in, you feel something. And like you said, it gives you this woodland feel for that example. And
2: I think it allows you to create a, an inclusive environment, too, when it's multi-sensory because if you're talking Mm -hmm. about music, so say, you know, because, um, because it is floristry, talk a lot, and I ask a lot of questions of clients about look and about, you know, things they want to see, and so color plays into that kind of conversation, too, but you just talked about the 70s and 80s playlist Well, if you're doing an event, and we say, you know, say we brought in, like, um, moss green and burnt orange and did, like, 70s and 80s colors, like, Great. But what if you have a guest there that's visually impaired? Well, they're going to identify more with what's on the playlist or like whatever sense that they can involve themselves in. Yes. It's fun and so important to ask all the questions and pull in details that involve, like I I think I mentioned in passing a moment ago, all of your senses. So you know, sight, smell, touch. Like these are also, with flowers in particular, like um, fragrance is a big one, smell. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, yeah, it feels, is, is like attainable. Sometimes you can put something on the table that people can touch and feel and have a sense for and that kind of thing. Sound even, especially if you're outdoors, if you can hear the wind blowing through something, like there's mm-hmm. all kinds of ways to get that vibe, like you're saying, to achieve a vibe. And it's much more, there's a lot of variety within it. Um, that
1: yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: That's
1: something that I I tried to convince a couple to go more on the smell side because they were wanting like fall vibes, but not like in your face, like orange pumpkins everywhere oh, gotcha. kind of thing. So like I I suggested, you know, putting in those little like Glade plug-in scent wax things around the room or whatever. Right. Just that way when you walked you in, go. you got hit with like, like
2: smoked cocktails, something like, like that, like you know, a little bit of charcoal on the Fall in here. Yes.
1: Like you're like... <laughs> What it, smell, it smells <laughs> like leaves. It smells like see, it smells so, like pumpkins, but I don't see pumpkins. Like right? you These just are like all
2: things that are possible. And
1: and it hits you, and it's so possible. And so like I tried to convince them to do it, and they wouldn't do it
2: oh yeah. that's okay
1: but Sometimes, the
0: other the,
2: but those are but, important questions to ask like that's what i yeah. ask a lot of times i say you know when i have my like, first consultations with incoming clients a lot of what was one of the first questions i ask them is about um either couples or individuals whoever's doing the bulk of the planning is is other sensory questions about yeah. even things like what do you want your your wedding to feel like what is your like you said what does your house feel like what is the you know um What kind, where do you like to shop? What kind of things do you like to wear? Questions that seem like they have no bearing whatsoever on wedding flowers per se, but what we are really doing is trying to drill down to their sense of taste. And we are back like kind of full circle to this idea of like, here's our jumping off point for creating something that makes sense for you, that feels consistent with who you are as people and with your lifestyle. And that's still in that that like, gives your wedding guests you know a lot of times people that are coming to your wedding whether they're friends or family are traveling long distances like it's really this huge show of solidarity like when else in your life are you gonna have a room full of all of your favorite people like it's really kind of an extraordinary event in that regard and so it's really kind of this giant gift to all of your guests to create this space in which they can immediately feel at home because they already know you and feel at home with you. Uh So it's it's this kind of extension of yourself to create this space. Um, I feel like that kind of like eliminates people's social jitters and gets everybody feeling comfortable and kind of like brings, especially when you have like two sides of family that have never met each other, right? And chances are you're meeting people that are important to your spouse. that They've known all their life that you've never met it kind of breaks down all those walls. If you can find um, ways to, yeah, to bring like all of these things to life that you might not have thought as relevant to weddings or included, in, you know, things you could include in your design yeah. for, uh, for a celebration like this.
1: So uh, you've already answered this a little bit and I'll tell you what your answers were to this question <laughs> <Okay>.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: is what's your process in doing this? So you've mm-hmm. already said, like, you ask them a lot of questions. So it's a lot of, like, fact-finding. It's a lot of right. discovery about the client to begin with.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: another thing that you do is the research. Like, you're, you go and you, you know, hunt down, like, what's available, what's, you know, what yeah. you can do. What are some of the other elements that you use on how you then accomplish the end product?
2: Sure. Sure. Great question. So one, I'll use an example because this is um, the most concrete way to answer that. I had a client from last fall and when I was asking kind of those like fact finding questions, like you said, that's a great term for it about their personal taste and kind of how they outfit their home. This couple said that their one of their favorite places to shop was uh, Man Ready Mercantile, which if you're Houston local, you probably know it's up there on 19th Street. It's emporium of it's a lot of like menswear, kind of this masculine feel with very like handcrafted goods, a lot of leather, a lot of um, you know just like the finer things in life, but with this sort of like rustic vintage, yeah, easygoing edge. So um, that immediately told me so much about you know I could have asked a bunch of questions about colors and about textures and about like feel and it was a November wedding so they did want it to be like autumnal but like you said not like fire orange you know fire engine red and yellow and pumpkins and so having this association with like oh so i i am familiar with this store but then i also went and did kind of like a recon mission like i went in and i smelled and i bought things and i actually ended up making notes about to like what kind of colors am i seeing and it is a lot of like mossy green a lot of different variations of browns a lot of um, wood natural wood tones and so then when i went to translate all of that into a plan for flowers since it's mostly floral with like small elements of decor like tables yeah. and some sundries that we offer as Edges Wild. Um, what I did was I, we came up with the idea of, we wanted it to feel, and the other thing the couple said was they wanted it to feel like just a, like they were inviting everyone that they loved and knew over for a big dinner party at their home. Like they wanted it to feel approachable, but still, you know, elevated, like they had really set a beautiful table and kind of like brought out all of their best dishes and all of that, but that it still would feel like home. So the idea we landed on was like, what if we made this feel and look like a like hunter's lodge where it's kind of this emporium of interesting objects that you've probably collected over your mm. life. And so, and then I developed my color palette and feel for the flowers based on that. So we honestly kind of started out with non-botanical objects like vintage um, field guide books that are like old, you know, hard yeah. books and uh antlers and what else did i have i have some like brass and wood magnifying glasses kind of like a you know i I, you probably picked up even from this conversation i have a pretty strong naturalist streak so anytime i can work that into an aesthetic it feels very natural for me yes we had some of those uh, things like that then based on those colors and textures i went and i looked at what's in season and you know early november in terms of flowers and what can we pull in and it makes sense in this kind of a like field and stream you know woodland lodge hunter's lodge type of vibe to bring in like twig bare twigs that have moss on them and mm. this like dried hanging amaranthus which basically looks like a grain and so these are botanical elements that aren't necessarily floral that had that little bit more of it because when people think floral they tend to think feminine but it's like there's a way to do floral where you have this idea of like masculine which was more their aesthetic in the first place yeah so then I put those words in. We did a lot of dried leaves, copper beech, dried ferns. And then, of course, pulling in some like deep tones to oak, berries, blackberries. And then, you know, I used some, some roses, some thistle, some other flowers that you might be more used to seeing. But the, once again, the overall vibe ended up being very masculine, very woodsy, very November without yeah. being over autumnal. Yeah, but so it was this kind of whole, this journey through like all of these sensory elements and we we even, I even actually did go and purchase a few of some of the signature scents from that store that they had mentioned from Man Ready and it's and leather. So it was like a candle that was supposed to smell like leather. We put those on some of the head tables too so that once again, Ah. multi-sensory, you know, option. Some of the, I did put some roses in those floral designs from Grace Rose Farm in California called Distant Drums and they're this beautiful like caramel colored with light mauve edges and they have this very like strong tea rose fragrance. It's very like kind of poignant like end of summer, early fall smell. So yeah, like those were kind of the conclusions I arrived at but it all started with this um, asking questions about once again about personal taste and then and then going and experiencing those sensory things like I went to the shop I walked in an antique shop I bought some antlers I bought some candles and then I went and I curated my flower list from there it's like how can we continue this in because these are objects that people have in their house all the time you may not have flowers in your house all the time so how can we kind of make these florals reminiscent of the things that already speak to your lifestyle that's Cut. that's really those are the questions I ask myself and then the errands that I run and the like playing around with ideas that i do before mm-hmm. i really kind of like when when i send a client a proposal or when i send a proposal to you that has all these pictures of flowers and just descriptive words i've done something similar to that process before i put that all on paper
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and and something else that you you do as well is like you tap into the uh, uh, paper to pen or pencil artist in you and like sketch what
2: true. I the, do love to the
1: vision is so that way you're able to convey that so um yes. speak a little bit to thankful. that process sure as well.
2: i think yeah one of my one of my mantras really is that um when it comes to creating because it is largely a visual medium a vision for what we're going to do once again trying to like translate words that we've exchanged uh while we're planning for, for this idea into like can we imagine that in our mind's eye that showing show instead of tell is my big thing show instead of tell it Mm -hmm. tends to be more powerful it's a much more it's a much easier way to make sure that like we've said earlier in this conversation that what i'm communicating via verbally is actually what the client is picturing yeah um so if i have a you know so say for that for the wedding that i just mentioned i did do a sketch for the little ceremony area they just wanted like a small installation ground-based and i was like what if we did make it look like like a vintage field and straight magazine cover where you've kind of got like two little patches of woodsy you know botanical Uh stuff going on which i can say that and and because i had like a particular Magazine cover in my mind, which the client may or may not. So I was like, let me draw you a picture. And then I can sketch out, like, here's how the branch would curve up and kind of over the ceremony area. Here's how you'd have these little, you know, these big swaths of like Queen Anne's lace that look kind of weedy and wild. And it's just so much more clear if they see that. And because then you give, you know, it gives the client freedom to say, like, oh, no, I really don't like that. That's not what I was expecting. Yeah. Or to say, oh my gosh, absolutely, that's what I'm going for.
1: I think that's really important to to allow that opportunity, because like you said, it kind of goes back to defining terms. Like you said something, I acknowledged it, but this is what it means when you say that to me, I'm gonna show you what it looks like.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes,
1: no, did I get it right? And I'm kind of jealous of that because I, um, am not as gifted in the, um, hand to instrument to paper, um, uh, skill set. And I know some planners that like love to paint and love to, so they can like really put together a full like tablescape of like, okay, this is the chair with the linen, with the centerpiece, with the china, with uh-huh. the, whatever. And I'm like the way that I present I have a couple different design products that I do for clients but yeah,
2: a mood board you know has It's all
1: it's all picture based so it's like yes. I found the picture of the exact plate and I found the picture of the exact like set of silverware and so like without sure. getting too choppy I just put the plate next to that and then I put the, like the <laughs> cup above it and then there you, you know go. linen on the different page and mm-hmm. you know uh napkin like here are some ways you can fold it kind of piece it together, but not get that exact like, I um, here it is. It's right. there on paper. Yeah. Look at it.
0: <laughs>
2: still, yeah. No, that works great. It's too.
1: similar, but I'm, I'm jealous of that.
2: Um, gotcha. That makes sense. Well, the value of, the of sketching, especially for floral elements because a lot of times like right now I know it's still um popular to do big big installations have become a trend in weddings (laughs) we'll see COVID-19 is changing all the things and that might not be within all of our real house next year who knows but as an example if we're gonna um give you an accurate sense of scope and scale within budget that's another place that sketching i found is so helpful too Uh we talk about this a lot as vendors but in the pinterest age there's so much imagery out there that can give you an example of what once again going back to vibe and feel of these like enormous gorgeous full lush floral installation pieces which um Look so accessible because there's so much imagery out there for them. But what you may not know, you know, if you bring me a picture of some full, you know, an arch full of like
0: mm-hmm.
2: peonies and spirea and seasonal bulbs that are flown in from Holland, like you, you know, it might look like, oh, this is a full, lush, beautiful thing I'd love to replicate, which is all well and good. But like I can take one look at it and say, like, that's a $15,000 piece, which may or may not be yeah. within your wheelhouse. Be able to sketch and show like, in terms of just the sheer cost of flowers, which, you know, that's a whole different conversation. Actually, you've you had a great conversation on this podcast earlier. I'll do a shout out to my friend and colleague, Maggie Bailey, with Bramble and Bee. Maggie talked at length about the cost of flowers and like how to accurately understand that. Like it's, it, flowers are expensive stem by stem because they require so much care and so much chain of logistics to get them to you. So yeah, sketching is another another way to just be able to present accurately what's possible with the dollar that you have and to kind of from there have a realistic conversation about what your goals are where you want to concentrate your resources Mm -hmm. where you want to you know where we want to maybe scale back in order to still once again arrive at that overall effect that we're looking for and to have this like artfully done entire event and still be able to marshal all of your spending budget in to areas that are most important to you and make that statement most beautifully and most profoundly.
1: I think that is so well said. <laughs> that is, I think, a nice little little summary of all the things we were talking about, about mm-hmm. like taking the, what artistry is, taking your personal as the vendor, the creator that is being hired to, you know, do this job, your skill set, match it to their taste and mm-hmm. how you go about presenting that, you know, finding what elements are going to make that come together is your art and it is the yeah. thing that you know you then display and show and give and it helps create again that word we kept saying a lot the vibe of mm-hmm. of the space and and give them all of those sensory elements that puts them in that place and yeah. i think that's it's just so cool how that that can all come together, um,
2: come together. that's the goal the vibe is like the output it's the final product of the artistry. It's the last yeah. mile of that skill meets taste. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Boom. I start. I would say mic drop and I would do it, but also I'm not dropping this mic.
2: <laughs> <That> audio quality.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, any uh, outlier things that you want to also throw out and you know, make sure we hit about the, the general field of artistry within your trade, specifically pertaining to weddings or otherwise?
2: Sure. I guess my final word would be to say, I want to be like an advocate for imagination and wedding planning can be such a fun opportunity to kind of tap back into that childlike sense of wonder that we yeah.
0: all
2: have. But don't be afraid to get imaginative uh, and, at, and like with, alongside of your vendors ask questions and start with what if, like that's a great starting place. Like what if we did, Eric and I ask this all the time when we're working together, when we're bouncing ideas off each other for other clients, what if we did this? What if we did that? That's actually such a such a helpful and fun starting place if you would like, if you're interested in kind of probing this idea of like, oh, how, how do I bring some artistry into this event that I'm creating instead of just checking off a bunch of, Tick marks about what elements I need to include. If you're interested in an in an overall artful event, like start with that. Like what captures your imagination? What do you find interesting? What do you really love? Even if it doesn't immediately seem like a wedding thing, don't be afraid to bring it to the table. Because that's actually where like we find our best ideas most of the time.
1: I love that.
2: Yes. Nothing that's is irrelevant.
1: No, exactly. So Listen out there. If you're planning your wedding and you're, people are asking you questions about what, what is it? What is, what's, what's your style? What's your, what's your vibe? Whatever. Don't be afraid to take the time to sit down and ask yourself those questions. Tap into your imagination, like Anna's saying, and don't be afraid to ask like what if? Like what if we could incorporate this thing that is like my favorite thing? Or, you know, maybe not everybody's into the kind of like music or art that I'm into, but like what if I what would that translate to? And so when you approach vendors like myself or her or you know, your cake baker, your even your caterer about tapping into like what it's gonna take to create that for you, ask the question don't be afraid yeah. say what's on your mind say what you need to say and like just get it out there because you don't know what could happen and right. and it could be something that you never even would have thought is something that again like Hannah said pertains to weddings quote unquote mm-hmm. that it has been traditional but it's your wedding so make it yeah. your tradition
2: right Yeah. Yeah. Like excellent art is all about making unexpected connections. And so just bring all the things that don't look like they're connected together with you in your ideas folder and go from there. I think especially too if you don't my some of my like most exciting moments are if Neither myself or the client or the planner has an image or a picture from Pinterest or anywhere else of an inspiration platform that quite hits on what we're looking for. Cause that's the space where we're like, Ooh, great. Then we get to create the uncreated so far. Like that's how, you we know, we've hit on something cool because no one else has quite done it yet. And that gives us opportunity to really play and explore and come up with something really like new and wonderful and beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Hannah is there uh, a place where people can find you
2: sure you can find me on, on both on Instagram and my website is edgeswildstudio, edges wild studio edg and then wild studio yeah edges wild and at edges wild studio on Instagram that's and- where we'll be
1: I will include that information in the episode notes so you don't have to remember or find it. Um, but Hannah, thanks so much for, for joining today and, Thank you, and chatting Jane, about this. is awesome. Yeah. Chatting about this. I think it's going to be super helpful to, like I said, people planning their wedding or to help um, the creatives that are already in the industry or somebody that's wanting to become a vendor and express their, you know, creativity through their art, you know, figure out how to hash that out and ask those questions and give them, you know, some of the, pathways to kind of find it and get there. So,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. Yay! Good talk.
0: Good talk. Thank <laughs> well, you. I
1: mean, we did Wed Talk, so I mean, just <laughs> name drop. Slip that in there. Um, thanks again for joining, everybody. Stay safe, be good, and we'll catch you next time on Wed Talk. Bye. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at wedtalkpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us at You guessed it, Wed Talk podcast. And mixing is by me. Sorry about it. Logo and theme music by Aaron Gaines. Hope you guys have a lovely and safe weekend. And we'll catch you next time here on Wed Talk.